I like these little things. <clears throat> the reason why I like um, membership and I like praying for a worship team, <clears throat> I like bringing people in front of the church to be able to recognize them is that it really does take the, the focus off of everything else and say the reasons why we come together this morning is to worship Jesus and see the multiple avenues and facets in which he's working um, in different people's lives. And all of us play a part in what this church is and what God is doing here. So I'll jump into more of that here in a minute. Um, but I do, uh, I want to start by praying as we've been praying uh, through some of the Psalms each morning, um, just knowing that there's heightened conflict in the Middle East, um, knowing that there is wars and w rumors of wars all around the world right now. Um, I know there's been a lot of up and down. Uh, if you want to stand for the reading of Psalm chapter 7, um, you may. If you, if you are not able to, you can remain seated. Um, but I'm going to read Psalm chapter 7, and then we'll, we'll say a, a prayer for the Middle East this morning. O Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me. Or they will tear me like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. O Lord, my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands, if I have done evil to him who is at peace with me or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gathered around you rule over them from on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. O righteous God, who searches minds and hearts, bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. My shield is God Most High, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, a God who expresses his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. He who is pregnant with evil and conceives trouble gives birth to disillusionment. He who digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit he has made. The trouble he causes recoils on himself. His violence comes down on his own head. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Let's pray. Father God, you are a jealous and righteous God. God, you are a, a judge who, who sits supreme on the throne of judgment. God, I pray that you seek our hearts and know us. God, I pray that you have eyes on your people in the Middle East. God, I pray that you would be in the center of of all the conflict and be the one who stands victorious. God, we do continue to pray for peace in the Middle East. God, that your spirit would move and flow throughout the nations of Israel and Palestine, that you would reveal yourself in mighty and powerful ways, interacting with the, the natural state that we live in. May the supernatural come and intercede. God, we seek your face as we 
lack understanding or lack foresight of your purposes. We trust in your sovereignty. We trust in your purposes. In that, God, we place our faith and our hope for the coming victory that you will proclaim. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, let's get started. Themes through the book of Romans. We are on the last um, theme that we're going to kind of look at and observe through this, this book. It, the more and more that I studied it, the, we could spend years in this book systematically. The theology that's presented throughout this book, we just, we're just barely scraping the surface. Um, the verse that has stuck with me throughout it all, though, came from chapter 1, where it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. As we continue to study Scripture, and we're looking at different books throughout the year, and, and we're wrapping up this year, and we've looked at so many Scriptures throughout the year, I encourage you all to stand behind the truth of the Scripture. That as we read it, as we proclaim it, as we talk about it with friends, that we would not step back from what the Gospel is presenting in the Scripture and not be ashamed of the gospel. Don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the truth, and we have nothing to be ashamed of. It is the power of God for salvation. That this book and, and all the other books that are written in Scripture have the power to transform, transform lives into uh, saved lives, salvation lives. Everyone to, for everyone who believes. And we've talked about those um, through these, these four or three different doctrines that we looked at, the role of the law, justification by faith, sin and redemption, and now this morning we're going to go into the fourth, which is unity in Christ. Okay? So unity in Christ. And I do have to say, um, it's been cool. This last week we had a, our congregational business meeting, if you were unable to attend or um, be a part of that meeting, I, I left there feeling super united, uh, feeling overwhelmingly united with our church body, and Haley's been saying all week to me as well, I'm just so thankful. I'm so grateful for the relationships that we have here with um, each of you, that the relationships that we see that, that you guys have with each other, and the unity that is currently here in, in this church. Um, if you missed that meeting, we did have uh, a few key changes to our leadership just to make them aware if you were not able to be there. Um, we elected a new moderator. Uh, well, not new. He's kind of older. <laughs> but he's a good guy. He's done it before. Daniel Machado is going to be our new uh, moderator as of January 1st. And then Garrett Greeby is going to be the secretary of the board. Um, we also... Didn't vote on it, but we are going to make that official um, at our next meeting that Deb is going to be our acting overseer um, to oversee the doctrine and policies of the Brethren Church. And she's the one that keeps me accountable for what I'm preaching up here. Um, so those are our three new positions. We also voted on the budget and set some vision and foresight for what we can accomplish and things that we're going to do uh, financially where we're planning on putting some of that, um, the money that is, that is given through your tithes and offerings, 
Um, one of the new positions that was on the, on the schedule was to hire a community connector in Lizzie April, um, and she will begin as of January 1st as well. So the goal was to say, hey, this is where we see God kind of working and doing things or where we need to amp some things up, filled some leadership positions. And um, after that meeting, I, I just, I became so excited, or I, I continued in my excitement about where God wants to take us and use us as a church. And um, I think we can just say it's, it's going to be a fun ride. Like, where we're at, what we're doing, um, it's all been fun, and it's going to continue to be fun um, for the, the time that I foresee it happening. So, good job, guys. Good job. I'm excited. All right, um, so getting into the message of Romans, talking about unity in Christ, I'm going to spend most of the time in Romans chapter 12, okay? Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read it from the actual Bible here. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open there. Uh, but this is Paul as he it continues on his uh, theological, systematic presentation of different doctrines. He calls us to live um, a life of sacrifice. He calls us to be living sacrifices. And he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace of God, or by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Now he gets to the, the piece that includes all of us in verse 4. Just as each of us has one body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Okay. I found it fitting that this morning we are talking about members of the body of Christ, and we accepted Esther and Akash into the membership of the body of Christ. And we are looking at how each one of us has different gifts, talents, treasures, to be able to offer to the body. It is um, a mosaic of personalities and talents and treasures that help us to function as what we call the body of Christ. And the foundation of unity comes from this, that in Christ, uh, let me read it again, verse 4, just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So when we start looking at our church um, we talked about this in our congregational business meeting that we, we, we did the natural church development survey, right? And in that, one of the things that we scored very highly on as a church is that we place people in positions according to their spiritual giftings. If you have a spiritual gifting God, that God has given to you that you tend to use more naturally or have more naturally, we want to place you in those positions to utilize your gifts, it's easy for us to see with the musicians that they have a talent in being able to play music, right? If you have a talent to be able to play music, we want to allow you the opportunity to use that talent because in that talent, you're able to do a function 
that I am not able to do. You don't want me up there singing, right? That's why God gave me my wife. Um, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Each one of us have different gifts, whether it's prophesying, teaching, serving, giving, um, leading. All of these things, they play together in making us who we are. And this is the foundation of unity. We were called to recognize and celebrate the diversity in which each of us have. Um, I think I, I heard this from a pastor. I don't remember where I heard it, but it's one of the foundational parts to unity. Unity does not mean conformity. Okay? Unity does not mean conformity, which means if I have the gift of prophesying okay, and you don't, I need to act in the prophesying and you need to act in your giving or you need to act in your serving or you need to act in your leading. And the gifts that God has given you, though they're different from mine, or they're different from the person sitting next to you, all contribute to the unity within the church. That also translates to theological differences. In the scriptures, we read things that sometimes can be um, understood in slightly different ways. There has been a theological debate between Calvinism and Arminianism for a thousand, about a thousand years, right? Where there's scriptural support on this side and on this side. There are um, political stances that people take. Some that lead toward the left side, some that lead toward the right side, right? I feel the tension starting to build. It's okay. It's okay. There is unity that does not mean conformity. When we are seeking Jesus, and that becomes our primary focus, the secondary things need to fade back for the sake of unity. Unity is what drives who we are closer to Jesus. If we are acting within our own uh, unique giftings, talents, beliefs, um, and followings, yet we're not united in it, we become siloed in who we are. God does not desire that. God's plan for the, the salvation of this earth is to use the church, and it says they will know that we are Christians by our love for one another. If we go on to verses 9 through 12, he says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. That means if you are a conservative and you have a liberal brother or sister, your love must be sincere in order to promote unity within the church and vice versa. If you are a liberal Christian and you have a brother who is a conservative Christian, if your love is not sincere, the disunity will drive people away. 
Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Honoring one another above yourselves is what promotes unity. Love is the glue of the unity. What brings people together is the love. Once we start to put ourselves to the, to the side and we're going to love others above ourselves or outside of ourselves, doing it with zeal and spiritual fervor in so serving the Lord, unity is promoted. Love is the glue that, that binds unity together. I can truly look around this room and say, I love each one of you. There is a deep-seated love for each one of you in my heart because of who Jesus is. And when I look at you, even though some of you, I know I don't agree with you on, on some things. Actually, every single one of you, if we had a long enough conversation, I can guarantee you that there are things that we disagree on, right? I'm crazy sometimes. Some of my theologies might be away from mainstream theologies. I'm going to differ from you on ways that we should do certain things. If we look hard enough and long enough, we can find the things that we differ on, okay? But even in the things that we differ on, the love that I have for you should be greater than our differences, the love is the glue that binds us together. Paul emphasizes the importance of genuine love and fostering that unity within the church. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 10 really embodies that. Okay? By doing so, we create an environment where that unity can flourish. If love is the greatest thing that binds us together, it glues us together, even our differences will fall apart. Continuing in verses 14 through 16, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I, I love the way that Paul writes in this, in this chapter specifically. He said in the last section, practice hospitality. He's not saying it as a suggestion. He's saying in love for one another, whether you like them or don't like them, whether you agree with their stances or not, let love be greater than that and practice hospitality, giving of what you have in order to make it hospitable for someone else to come and be a part of what we are doing. This one, he says, do not be conceited. Do not be conceited conceited humility and mutual submission we need to humble ourselves unity is achieved when we humble humbly serve one another in humility and submission we are re, we are reenacting what jesus did for us jesus as our greatest example humbled himself into a state of humanity and submitted himself unto death so that we might be saved. 
in verse 16. Paul encourages us to live in harmony with one another, not being proud or haughty, right? Not being this, this, I'm better than thou, or I'm better than you, or my way of thinking is more right than your way of thinking. In humble submission to one another, we consider the thoughts, the progressions of ideas that others may have. There's a reason why people get to the places where they believe, and we're looking at the same Scripture. We're looking at the same Bible, the same words, and we're praying to the same God, and we're saying, Jesus what, what are you teaching me through this scripture? Some of us are being led down a path that says, God is teaching me how to love deeply, how to serve humbly. And others are reading this saying, God is calling me to prophesy and to teach and to lead. Both of them reading the same scriptures are being taught through the Holy Spirit in the exact way that they are supposed to be led. So in their differences, we humble ourselves and say, God has spoken to you in this way. That's amazing. Let me rejoice with you. And in this way, it's God has spoken to you uniquely and individually. Let me rejoice with you. Humbly submitting to the Spirit of God who is leading and guiding people in their unique paths. This call to humility challenges, challenges us to set aside our own desires and our own agendas and seek the well-beings of others above ourselves my wife i'm just going to go into a small personal story about this it's it's no secret that she has struggled with depression and anxiety most of her life that she has had times in her life where anxiety has overcome her to the point of exhaustion and she's gone through all kinds of different therapies and doctors to learn how to deal and combat the anxiety in her life. The number one most effective and reasonable way for her to overcome anxiety is to put her focus on someone else. The anxiety overcomes her when she starts to think, oh, I have so much, I have this to do, I have this to do, I have this to be at, I have children to cart this place, I need to go do this job, I need to clean up this, I need to clean this, I need to go, you know, support this, or how is this happening to this, you know, to me and this, and, and it overcomes her with me, 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 and when she is able to say, yes, but how is this person? How can I put my focus and attention over here? And once she is able to get off of everything that's happening in, in her own bubble and look at something else, it's almost like a release of that anxiety goes away. In the humility, in the, the subjection, and in the thought process of others above myself, she's able to release the anxiety. Putting the needs of others before our own. Unity is achieved when, humbly, when we humbly serve one another. Verses 17 through 21, finishing out this chapter, he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good.
in embracing the diversity of the, the differences that God has given us, we, we are able to present to the world a unity in diversity that says we are unique, all of us are unique, and we are a mosaic of peoples, an art form that God has crafted uniquely to say this person has this gift, this person has, has this gift, each one of us has these gifts, and when we all come together, we reflect the image of God. We become the image of God. And in the diversity, in the unity, if we flip over just two more chapters to Romans chapter 14, just those few verses, he says, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One's man, one man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. We are going to have people come into this church that do not know the Lord fully yet. We are going to have people come into this church that don't know the Lord at all yet. We are going to have people in this church, we already have people in this church, that have known Jesus for their entire lives, for 40, 50 years. And there is going to be a difference in their spiritual state, where they are in sanctification, where they are in discovering what their giftings are, where they are in their obedience to Christ. And whether you are in this realm where you have been uh, with Christ for 40, 50 years, or you're in this realm where you have just come to know Jesus, right? He, talk, he relates it to eating vegetables. That whole reference is to, in that time, they, they struggled with eating meat as if it were sacrificed to idols, Right? There was a, a, a misunderstanding with what the, the um, allowances were for the rules of God to be able to eat, to, the freedom to be able to eat more than just the vegetables and to eat the meat was an unlocking of this spiritual freedom to be able to go and do and, and eat of the things that God had given. That is related to the spiritual state. What we need to be able to do is learn how to function together despite our differences in spiritual state. This is called extreme discipleship. This is what we are called to do, is to be disciples. If you have been a follower of Christ for many years, and you know Jesus, and you love Jesus, and you meet someone who doesn't know him well yet, or doesn't know him at all, it is now our responsibility to humbly come to the position that they are in, disciple them, and grow them in their faith in Christ. I want to end with this story, and maybe, Daniel, this is where I'll have you cut the recording. <clears throat>